Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. We are in the sixth part of our series, what we are calling short stories. And honestly, we're looking at the parables of Jesus, which were short stories. And so if you've got your bulletin, you got your Bible app, however it is you're going to track, we've led off with this idea every week. So let's go ahead and read it again, that we have been invited. Let's just pause right there on that. We've said that every week, but isn't it a cool thing to be invited? It is an amazing thing. There, all of us in this room at some point in time have experienced some kind of pain, whether it was in the second grade or it happened recently, that something was taking place and we didn't get invited. Man, there's a, we've all experienced that, that pain on some place, on some level. And the truth is, is when it comes to the kingdom of God and the heart of God, you've been invited. You've not been left out. You've not been put on the edge. We've all been invited and we've been invited to be transformed by the truth of God's love for us. And one of the ways that that truth is revealed is through the stories that Jesus used um, in his teaching. He used these stories, he used these parables to help our earthly minds be able to connect with heavenly truth and, and just took normal everyday things and helped us to connect with his amazing love for us. But I just said something that we can all have differing degrees of responses to, okay? And it was this thing that I said, God's love for us. God's love for us. And there's some of you that I say that and you think about it and you have been so impacted by the love of God and it has been so so richly understood in your heart that there was a, a space, there's a moment, a string of moments where you were hurt, where you felt disconnected, where you were in a place of desperation and the love of God showed up in such a real way that when you think about it, you have a hard time holding back the tears from your eyes. There's a, you have a hard time. And I'm so thankful for those of you in the room or those of you watching from online and who that's your reality. It's not the only reality. Sadly, there's another end of the spectrum that you've heard this idea, you've read it on some memes and you've, somebody's told you that God loves you and there's a space where it does not resonate for you like it does for other people. There's a space where there's some places of hurts and some disappointments and some things that you thought should have gone one way or should have never happened at all. And, and you're like, if there's a God, well, uh, I'm not sure he loves me. And, and you don't have a hard time holding back tears from your eyes. When you hear God loves you, you have a hard time not rolling your eyes. Because all of a sudden it just feels like some sort of fabricated disconnect. And there's a reason that the enemy works so hard to keep us from growing in a knowledge of God's love for us. And that's because the way we see God, the way we view God 
is going to determine. There is no other way around it. It is going to determine how you connect with him. How you view him, how you see him, if you believe he loves you or you believe somehow that he's mad at you or some days he does and some days he doesn't. If you acted right, well, then he's good. And if you didn't act right, well, then he's not so good. And if you, that it's constantly challenged. It's constantly challenged in our hearts because it is the pivotal truth that begins to unlock all truth. And so wherever you may be on the spectrum today from from tears in your eyes to all the way to roll in your eyes, I want us to open our hearts on a deeper level today. Let's take a purposeful little chunk of time right now and let's begin to just say, I, I want to understand God's heart if he will help me to do so. Let's look at John chapter 8. We've led off with this idea because this is our framework for why one of these parables are important. And in verse 30, it says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. And I didn't say all believed in him. Jesus was doing the speaking. He was there in the flesh and still it was just many believed. Not all believed. But praise God, many believed. And to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And there, all of a sudden, that is where the little thing can sneak in on us. And we think hold to his teaching means we got to march in line, little Christian soldier, do everything just right. And, and the thing is, is that hold to my teaching means to have let go of what you were already holding on to. Your own thoughts, experiences, conclusions, hurts, disappointments, reservations. You let go of that and you hold on to what he says. His teachings are just what he's, he's revealed, what he's talked about, his teachings. So if we hold on to that, then we're his disciples. And there's something amazing happens. It says, and then you'll know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. See, Jesus brings us the truth. God brings us the truth um, for a purpose. Not just to show that he's right. We all know those people. We've got those people in our lives that, man, they'll debate with us and they'll Google it and they'll build their little case. And you know that you get in a little argument. You know next time you see them, they're going to bring that back up and go, well, I did research and come to find out I was right, by the way. Uh, read this right here. I've got my little side. And they just want to be right. They bring out truth just to be right. And God doesn't do that. God doesn't point us to the truth just so we can go, oh yeah, all right. You're, you're right, God. You were smarter than me again. That's not why he does it. God points out the truth to set us free. He does it to set us free, not to show that we're wrong, not to point out our ignorance, not to make us feel less than, but so that we will now understand and be able to be free. He wants you and me to live in another place of freedom. So since that's his goal, since that's the whole reason for it, then whenever we spend time around the truth. So you spend time this week reading your Bible, spending some time opening up the scriptures, okay? You're spending time around the truth and all of a sudden something begins to make a little fresh sense to you or it begins to be exciting to you. You're like, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, that, that, that's really good, that's strong. The very next thought that needs to come into your mind is how 
does that help me be free? How does that help me be free? He's just shown me some truth. Where is he trying to set me free? Because that's the whole point of it. And one of the things that's beautiful about daily time in the scriptures and spending time with God is this this moment where we can get free. We can begin to get loosed. Because I wish that it was one of those things that it could just happen and then all of a sudden you're good. But we all know that life has a way of as soon as you clean one little piece of bubble gum off of your shoe, you take a couple of steps and all of a sudden you're in it again. And you need to be set free from it. Again, it just begins It's just a way that the, the world just attacks. So we need to spend this regular time connected with God. But when we see the truth, we should go, how does this set me free? Come back to the idea that God loves you, that God cares about you, that God's for you. The reason that that is so important is because it sets you free. It sets you free from the idea that somehow you've got to perform or, or you've, you've disconnected yourself from God. That somehow you, you've got to protect yourself from God because if you don't do things just right, he's going to be mad at you. It sets you free from this idea that you're constantly being measured. Are you doing it right? Are you really representing me? Are you worthy to carry the name of Jesus? Are you worthy to carry the name of Christian? And you're constantly living under that. When you finally realize he loves you, he loves you, then all of a sudden that sets you free. And then when you're free, well, now you can, instead of pulling away from God, you can just go up to him anytime because you're free. You can begin to see things through his eyes because you're willing to stand on his side of the line and look from his perspective. It begins to change everything and begins to set you free. And so I say all of that, set this up, because we're about to get into a parable. Um, For us to be able to look at some of this stuff with fresh eyes. The parable we're about to look at, on the surface, it can look like it's a parable about stewardship, okay? Um, Because we're going to see that two people um, were good stewards and and took care of what they were entrusted with. Well, then one um, just kind of... just didn't take full access of the possibilities. And so and it can look like it's a stewardship. But really, what this is, is this actually is not about a stewardship. It's about their paradigm. It's how they view. And what we're going to see is that the outcome, the stewardship, was a natural product of seeing that the master was good and was for them. And squandering was a natural outcome of thinking the master was harsh and against them. This isn't about stewardship. This is about our viewpoint. This is about how we see. So going into, before we can crack the parable open, we need to understand this, that we've all, we are all entrusted with something valuable to make a difference in the world. We're all entrusted. Not A handful of people are entrusted, but we're all entrusted. There's this 
this lie, there's this idea out there that there's a few people who have significant reach and significant influence and significant talents and skills to be able to make a difference, but and then the rest of us just do our little bit to support and to not get in the way and, and let those handful of people really plow ahead and, and make the difference. But that isn't true. And when we think about the fact that we're called to be a part of the body of Christ, if we'll really think about it for a minute and we'll just kind of internalize it, um, you know, we will all of a sudden go, okay, I get it. Because let's just think about your body, okay? Which part of your body are you chill with not working? Is there a part of it that you're just like, yeah, I'm kind of fine with that not working? All of a sudden, if you wake up in the morning and you can't curl your pinky closed, and all of a sudden you're just like, it will not move. You know, you could, you could probably get through your day. You could probably make it happen. You could, everything would be fine. But that's not the way you're going to respond. You're going to immediately get on the phone and you're going to call the doctor and say, it doesn't hurt. It's not swollen, but it doesn't work. And I've got a problem with that. I need to see what's wrong with this. We would intuitively go and say, I need to get this looked at. Something is off. I want it all to function. It all matters. It all matters. And so we get that on that level. But then all of a sudden now, we have to make it personal. Wait a second. Does this mean I matter? Does this mean God wants to utilize me? And the truth is, Yes. Let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Verse 14 begins the parable, and Jesus says, Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. First off, I want us to notice that the master was incredibly considerate and he knew his servants and he's like, okay, this one is going to be able to flourish with this responsibility. This one can handle a little more and this one can handle the most. And he was looking at each one individually and recognizing it and entrusted each one based on how they were built. They were not being compared with one another. He was simply saying, what I'm, entr what I'm entrusting you with, I know you have the ability to handle it. I know you haven't. God does, is not comparing you to someone else. He's not sitting there and saying, you know what? I've got eight bags of gold that I need taken care of, which was, which was the thing. And then I'm going to divvy it up between the three of you. It's kind of maybe even as possible. And in fact, I'll crack open this one bag of gold and kind of sprinkle it over here in these other ones and, and just kind of make this all work. No, because one, it was going to be, well, he had a lot of extra capacity and one was not going to be able to function at all. It's like, this is just, it's too much. It's too much. He understood he was caring for each one. You are not being, and you living out your life, you are not being compared to anyone else. And we get completely messed up and foolish. In fact, the scriptures tell us, 
scriptures tell us that if we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. If you want to live the most foolish version of your life, do it in, a, in living in comparison. You're foolish because you're going to be foolish in one direction or the other. Whenever, if you all of a sudden feel like you're doing all right and you're like, yeah, I don't need to put any extra effort, you're going to intuitively, you won't know you're doing it on purpose, but you're going to intuitively find a group, you're going to find a little pool, a little sample group of people who are doing less than you, and then you're going to look at them and go, yep, I'm doing pretty good. I'm all right. I don't need to push it. I don't need to. I can kind of coast and all is well. But, and it would be 100% wrong. But then you have the other side. And all of a sudden you begin to get a little vision. You begin to get stirred up. You begin to feel like maybe God's called you to do something. You want to begin to make a little difference in the world. And vision all of a sudden begins to look out and look at people who are making a difference and doing things and accomplishing. And then you immediately begin to look at these people who are doing big things in your view. And you'll now grab a sample size that is much bigger and all of a sudden you're like, there's no way. There is no way. If that's what I have to do, if that's what the stirring is gonna make me do, then no, I I can't do it. I, I I gotta pull back, that's not, no. And both are wrong. Both are wrong and both end up in a stalemate of doing nothing. Of doing nothing. So we cannot live in a place of comparison. The master looked at each one individually Guess what? For the life God has called you to live, he has wired you for it already. He has built you for it. You're not missing anything that God has called. The only thing is whether or not we're going to embrace it and dare to move forward with it. But to really understand this uh, bag of gold thing, immediately we think like a little, little satchel, a little... One of the little leather bags, it's got a little jingle in it, you know. Got a little one, little bag of gold over here. And then the other dude's got, I got, I got two bags. I got two bags. And then five bags, he's like sticking it in his belt. And, you know, he's got a little extra. And so, but if we look at the original language, um, that's, that's not it. That's the wrong image. When we look at the original language, let's go ahead and look at a, a translation that uses the right word. And New King James Version says, and to one he gave five talents, which is a weight of gold, to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And again, we don't use the weight of talent. We don't say that. We use pounds, ounces, tons, that kind of stuff. Okay, But in the... the um, uh, Greek culture, Roman culture, and Middle Eastern culture, um, a talent was a standard uh, measurement. Here's what's significant, is when you look at the, at the Bible, it was the largest measurement. It's the largest weight measurement. It didn't go down here and go to grams, and then we step up to maybe ounces, and then we go to pounds, and, and then, oh, you've got a ton. No, in the Bible, that is the biggest measurement he's got. So all of a sudden, there's, some of us can feel like that when God is entrusting us, he's not even used the same scoop. Like he went over there and he got the little teaspoon and he gave me a little teaspoon, but he went over to somebody else and he got the old five-gallon bucket out of the garage 
He rinsed that puppy out and got all that stuff. And then he dipped in. He just dumped a big old five-gallon bucket on them. But he uses a little different measure with me. He used a little teaspoon with me. And just, uh, I can't really do much. I don't have anything to offer. He uses the same measurement across the board. And he uses the five-gallon bucket on everybody. He doesn't go in and use the smallest measurement. It is the biggest weight measurement that they had access to. Now, you and I, we still don't know exactly what a talent is. Like, okay, what's a, what's a talent of gold? Is that like a, a bar of gold? What, what is that? Well, the truth is, is that going back to, the ancient, to an ancient talent, it's still a little debated, okay? People don't know exactly what it is. But they have found these, these stones um, that were people had, had deduced and connected that they were a ta- way to talent, okay? And so you look up most Bible stuff, and they're going to say a talent weighs about 75 pounds, okay? It's a big weight, about 75, about 75 pounds, okay? Um, but there, there is a certain school of thought, and there are certain things that a, that a talent, actually an ancient talent, was the a weight of an average person. That you, something was a, weighed a talent, but then it was actually a person's weight. So then we see here, and if that's, if that's the case, if a talent was represented what a person weighed, well then what this person is actually being given, this person's actually being trusted with their weight in gold. They're being entrusted with their weight in gold. That is absolutely mind-blowing. But since the, as normal, standard, everybody gets it, you look it up in your little Bible resource, we're going to go with 75 pounds. It's still pretty powerful when we look at this. Because those of you who invest in gold, you automatically know what the, what the spot price for gold was on Friday. I don't invest in gold, so I had to look it up. And it was $1,921 per ounce. That's what gold was trading at on Friday. Okay? Well, we remember our school stuff. You know, there's 16 ounces in a pound. And so we now have, you know, we have 16 times 75 times 1,921. Well, then in today's market, that talent of gold that he was entrusted with is $2.3 million. 2.3. This guy isn't slighted. The one talent guy isn't being given like this little inconsequential thing. No one has been issued an inconsequential life. No one. No one has been given an inconsequential life. There's spaces, yes, we see that there are two and that there are five. But the baseline is that each of us have been given and called into living a life of consequence, a life of weight, a life that matters. And we need to, to make sure and understand that. First Peter 4, 10 tells us this, that each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And Psalm 103.14 says, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we're just dust. God recognizes you got frailty. You got issues. He knows it. And he still entrusted $2.3 million anyways. 
he still entrusted it anyways. So what we need to understand is, is that a healthy concept of God and his view of you makes for a fruitful life. Let's look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, the man who had received five bags or five talents of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags, five more talents. That's pretty killer, okay? He's got you know over $10 million that he's entrusted with. He turns it into over $20 million. I don't care who you are, the double is a good win when it comes to investing, okay? We're, anybody who does investing, the double is a massive win, okay? And so this guy goes out and he, he doubles it, he puts it to work, that's pretty phenomenal. And so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more also double a hundred percent return and a hundred percent return but verse 18 tells us but the man who had received one bag it's still of significant consequence went off dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money he had his master's money what kind of return was the master expecting on $2.3 million? He was expecting some, a 10% return, 230 grand. I don't know any of us would scoff at an extra 230 grand. If you do, Celebration Church will take it. <laughs> but 230 grand is not, I mean, and that's, that's a 10% that's a, that's a return. I mean, there was, there was an expectation that he was going to be able to get something done here, but he, he digs a hole in the ground and does nothing. Written verse 19 says, after a long time, the master of, the, uh, of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold, five talents, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me. You entrusted me. That could also be said as you had trust in me. You had trusted me. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I don't know what's going on, but... $10 million being entrusted with is not a few things from a worldly standpoint. But obviously from a heavenly standpoint, what we think is a lot of resources, God said, that's not even the real stuff yet. I'm actually going to put you in charge of things that matter, like people's lives, like making a difference, the stuff that is eternal, not stuff that's just temporal. But if you can't take care of temporal things, how can you be entrusted with true riches, Jesus said in another space. And so, but he says, come and enjoy your master's happiness. The same type of joy and life that the master enjoyed, this servant now gets to fully participate in that. How amazing is it? But 
you and I, we will not step into and enjoy the, the full joy of, of what that God enjoys, that God created us to enjoy, our creator, if we don't embrace what he's entrusted us with. Partnering with him and taking the trust that he's placed in us and turning around and trusting him. Yes. This isn't just a one-way street. You have to realize that God's already entrusted you. He built you on purpose. You realize you're a one-off? You're never going to exist ever again in the scope of history. There's just one of you. Just one. And God made you on purpose. Placed a full talent inside of you. A full value inside of you. And equipped you to be able to do it. And you're not going to find the full joy and peace of the master if you refuse to embrace what he's entrusted you with. You can't park what he's embraced or what he's given to you and say, no, I want this full joy of the Lord. They're connected. You have to be willing to step out and move forward with what he has entrusted you with. Anytime you find yourself saying, well, this Christian life, this life in Christ is a little on the boring side. Man, I tell you what, that means you're not really utilizing what he has given you and placed in you. You begin to use the gift and calls, you're going to find that all of a sudden this life in Christ is an adventure. It's amazing. You see God moving and doing incredible things over and over again. And how did I get this? I'm needing to wrap this up. All right. So, real quick, I promise you I won't keep you long. I did this in the first service. What happened? Um, but anyways, let's just look real quick. The view that we know of the master so far, we're this deep into the story, okay? First thing we see is the master's considerate. He understands how each person is made and, and entrusts them. He entrusts them all with something of significance. The first two come back and have this positive encounter and says, hey, master, here you go. And he's like, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. Here's some extra stuff. So you're going to be able to really step up and do your full calling now everything we see of the master it's good we don't see a hint of anything negative about the master but that's not the only viewpoint that's demonstrated here why because a faulty concept of God and his view of you makes for a fearful life verse 24 it says and then the man who received one talent one bag of gold came said master he said I knew that you're a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed this is my view of you is I, I think you're a cheat I think you're a thief I think you're not fair that's what I think and so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. No, notice no words of entrusting. Doesn't say I, I hid what you entrusted me with. Nope, I hid your stuff. Hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. Here it is. Here's your $2.3 million back. I didn't break it. I didn't lose it. I didn't run to Vegas. It's yours. Here you go. All's good. 
No, it's not all good. Verse 26, it says, his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seeds. So, so that was the, the way you thought, that was your mindset. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. See, go get some interest. So that when I returned, you would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has, it will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw this worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Good News Version frames it this way. It says, you bad and lazy servant, his master said, you knew, did you? It's kind of challenged like, hmm, this is what you thought? That I reap harvest where I did not plant, gather crops where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put it on deposit. See, the person who had locked down and was fearful blamed it on some sort of negative attributes of the master. But the master said, no, actually, if that was really how you thought, you would have put it on deposit. You'd have done something. No, really, you just didn't want to be responsible for it. When it was all said and done, you just didn't want to be responsible. It wasn't really that you thought I was so terrible because you'd have done something if you thought I was that mean. You just didn't want to be responsible for it. And so what we see here is, we see here is this place where two people utilized what they were given and saw return and stepping into the fullness of, of their connection with the master and because they saw the master's good. And we saw one pull away and hide and not get any increase because they thought the master was bad. And so this morning, our bottom line is this, that your view of God will determine your response to God. Your view of him is going to determine your response. And so what, this morning, we have an opportunity to respond. This morning, we have a, a spot to be able to go ahead and connect with a God who loves you and is for you and wants great for your life and deposited a full talent into you. Did not shortchange you, did not pull back on you, did, did not do a half scoop on you, but genuinely took full, made a full deposit into you. The question is whether or not you're gonna embrace that truth. Not look at your life compared to somebody else's, your skills and your talents, whatever it is you want to call them compared to somebody else's, but simply look at it through the eyes of the Heavenly Father who made you on purpose, loves you fully, and wants your life to fully count. Why? Because it matters. You're a unique vessel he wants to express himself through ways I could never do. Nobody else could do but you. And it begins with you being willing to trust him that he loves you. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.